Come up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, you had better. Hey, let's get them up. It's Monday on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. Day two of October is uh, day one of Texas OU Week. That is right. It is here. Final meeting between the two rivals as members of the Big 12 Conference will be a, uh, a doozy. Number three against number 12, both undefeated, both with big aspirations in 2023. Longhorns shellac Kansas on Saturday, 40-14. to 14. We'll talk about it. Cowboys, speaking of shellacking, went after the New England Patriots yesterday up in Arlington. Houston Texans did some shellacking of their own down in Houston yesterday. So we got a lot to recap. The weekend that was, the American team got shellacked in the World in the Ryder Cup. Baseball season is over, at least the regular season. The real season begins now. Astros and Rangers both in. Another big basketball trade in the NBA. So safe to say we will be busy for our five-hour morning conversation. It's Austin's only local morning sports conversation. And we hope the best that you uh, tune into each and every day. However you find us, uh, could be on 1019 FM, maybe AM 1260. I hope the, uh, uh, you're hearing the spot loud and clear there. Also, always loud and clear on our Horn app that you download your smartphone and listen to us wherever you are with the touch of a button all over Austin, all over Texas, all over the world with that Horn app. You can also watch our show on our YouTube channel at The Horn Austin and, of course, on our Twitch channel and listening there at hornfm.com on this Monday morning, five hours. We begins right now. Look who it is back with us. Across the desk, our shutdown corner, holding on his side of the show five hours a day, five days a week. He is uh, from DB High down in the 713. DBU right here in the 5124. Stops in NFL zip codes. He's also now a proud papa of baby Monroe Grace and getting very little sleep. But here he is with us. He is our um, our, our football theorist, our football prognosticator, Blackstradamus, we call him. He's back with us, and uh, we couldn't be happier. He's our man, Rod B. What's up, RB? Uh, appreciate the intro, as always. Good to be back. Uh, feels good to be here and a lot to talk about. Texas OU week, just in time. Uh, right back uh, here. So I appreciate all you guys. Appreciate you holding it down. Appreciate Ty. Uh, appreciate all the well wishes from all the listeners, too. You guys are very kind. Uh, so we appreciate all the blessings. And, uh, of course, um, you know, we appreciate the blessing. Monroe being in the world. So uh, really excited about the week. And as we always do, we want to start the uh, show off showing a salute to us, alert that those who serve, uh, we appreciate it in any capacity, whether it be God, country or community of uh, Europe serving. Uh, we salute you this morning. Uh, those first responders, the uh, the officers of the law, we talk about teachers, nurses, uh, even the waste management. We appreciate all you guys. Uh, so we want to make sure we throw that out there as well. No question about that, and uh, thanks for mentioning that. We appreciate Ty as well. Ty's through the glass. Ty Henderson, our producer, off of a uh, pretty good gambling week for him, at least on our picks. You went three hey and now. two, three and two. I had a two and three week after my five and zero oh mm-hmm. previous week. Sometimes you come back to earth, but uh, uh, we'll get into those picks and uh, recap the entire weekend that was. And there was a lot going on. So let's start the show uh, with our headlines. Get you caught up to a very very busy update desk. We've got Rod taking us behind the burn orange curtain. How the Longhorns dismantled the Jayhawks on Saturday, and what's to come this week. Let's dive into the news. They'll get you caught up. Top Gun, Reynolds and Lawn Equipment bring it to you. We'll start with Texas football coming off that 40-14 to win over previously unbeaten Kansas at DKR on Saturday. Longhorns still ranked third in the AP poll again this week. They did receive 10 first-place votes in that poll released yesterday. Texas landed 10 points behind second-ranked Michigan. Georgia remains number one. They survived a scare at Auburn on Saturday. Poll rankings in early October hardly matter. Posting wins week-to-week improvement is what Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian is seeking and happy with so far. 
I'm pleased with with the way we're playing. You know, there's no there's no doubt. I think we've played some pretty good teams. You know that uh, we're getting faced with different styles of opponents week in and week out, and we're responding to the challenges. There's something that I'm probably most proud of is the maturity of this team in their ability to. Uh, accept the next challenge the next week, put forth the work, and then go out and perform. I'm very, very pleased at the maturity of our team because I think that's what you have to do as you grow throughout the season. You have to show maturity um, and you have to continue to improve. You know, championship teams get better during the season, and I think that that's something that we've been able to do here through five weeks. 5-0. and oh. Also yesterday, ESPN and college announced a college game day. We'll be live at the Cotton Bowl for this week's Red River Shootout matchup between the unbeaten Longhorns, 12th-ranked Oklahoma. Also from college football, major props to first-year head coach G.J. Kinney and his Texas State Bobcats. They're off to a 4-1 and one start to their young season. They beat Southern Miss on Saturday, 50-36 down the road there in San Marvelous. Another big Sunday in the NFL, including the Dallas Cowboys. They obliterated the New England Patriots 38-3 up in Arlington yesterday. Worst loss in Patriots head coach Bill Belichick's 29-year career, going to the Hall of Fame. Never had one that bad. Deron Bland returned one of his two interceptions for a touchdown. Leighton Vanderesh scooped up a fumble after Adante Fowler strips out, scored another touchdown. Cowboys blew out the pats. They're off to a 3-1 and start. Equally impressive down in Houston, Texans put an exclamation point on J.J. Watt's celebration day with an emphatic 30-6 win over the Steelers. They're now 2-2. Two two. C.J. Stroud, the rookie quarterback, threw for 3.06 and two scores. Their defense held the Steelers without a touchdown and just 225 total yards on the day. And that was the day the organization and put J.J. Watt into their ring of honor. Another marquee matchup yesterday in Buffalo. Josh Allen threw four touchdowns, ran for another. The Bills with a statement win over the previous unbeaten Dolphins, 48-20. Out in San Francisco yesterday, the 49ers remained unbeaten. They thrashed Arizona 35-16. Christian McCaffrey scored four touchdowns. Dallas will be in San Francisco this Sunday for a showdown game. The only, only other 4-0 team in the league after the first month are the Philadelphia Eagles. They survived Washington yesterday, 31-28 in overtime. Sunday night football last night, Chiefs held off the Jets, 23-20. Monday night football tonight to wrap up week four, New York Giants hosting Seattle. Major League Baseball, the playoffs are set following the final day of the regular season yesterday, and they needed every single game to finalize it. The Baltimore Orioles are the American League's top seed. Two seed, well, after their 5-1 final week, including a three-game sweep in Arizona this weekend, the defending champion Astros are the two seed. They clinched the AL West for the fifth time in six years with an 8-1 win yesterday. They gutted up over the weekend. Rangers, meanwhile, they finished a, uh, a rough way. They went 3-4 and four down the final week. They end up in the sixth seed. They're in the postseason for the first time in seven years. But uh, they lost yesterday 1-0 to Seattle. That cost them the division crown. They will be a wild card. They will travel to Tampa now this week in a best-of-three series. Minnesota will host Toronto in the other wild card series. Baltimore and Houston will be off until Saturday and face the winners. Braves and Dodgers top seeds in the National League. Arizona will face Milwaukee in one wild card. Phillies will face the Marlins in the other. In golf, United States 30-year road drought for a Ryder Cup victory will extend to at least 2027 after the hosts finish off the American team 16.5 to 11.5 in Rome yesterday morning. Week began with a whimper for the U.S. side and uh, it never got better. Uh, it was not a good one. For, we'll put document throughout the course of the morning. Also in the NBA, after trading all-NBA guard Damian Lillard to Milwaukee last week, the Portland Trailblazers have now traded the key piece of that deal. Drew Holiday is going to the Boston Celtics in exchange for center Robert Williams, guard Mockdom Brogdon, and a couple of first-round picks, one in 2024. Also in soccer in the MLS, Austin FC fell to 12th place in the Western Conference after a 1-0 loss to Colorado at Q2 Stadium Saturday night. Austin is winless in 10 straight matches. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier oh. than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. I don't think OU has ugly cheerleaders. 
Already taking shots. <laughs> I don't know if they're that ugly. I don't know, man. I got to take a different look at the cheerleaders. Usually the cheerleaders are the best of the bunch. So yeah. they're not ugly, but they're not they're not Texas. Oh, you you not, are you are not, be a bit on 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 uh, field field level for that. Field oh, level yeah. for that. No doubt. Four they're times. Not, they're not the Texas standard. I'm not saying that at all. You know, but even our, our Palm Squad and our cheerleaders are way better than I don't even know. Do they have a Palm Squad up there? I'm not sure. I they, they they ride the schooner. I really have not paid attention to their cheerleaders. I really admit that. Now I'm thinking, but they got to be they got to be attractive. They're cheerleaders. Decent. <laughs> They're I, do know, decent. I do know they That's have the like best a very, they have to offer. I okay? do know they have a very good gymnastics team. I don't know if that matters. It's oh yeah, Oklahoma, don't they? There you go. There you they go. have a gymnastics there, 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 team. You got something going for them. Anyway, no, we're not complimenting the Sooners this week. Anyway, it is six oh nine and. OU still sucks. It's beat OU. Uh, so we'll get into that all day long. But uh, can we throw this out there, though? Since talking about Texas, we'll go behind the burn orange curtain and get into you know the matchup against Kansas. We'll review Kansas this you know obviously this show, and then moving on, we'll talk Texas OU for the rest of the week, man. And also probably the game of the week in the NFL. We're gonna talk Cowboys 49ers. The rest of the week to. too. It's a great um, week, man. It's a great week. So Baseball anyway. playoffs. We got a lot to do. Oh yeah, it's a lot to get into. What are the odds of Texas playing three back? To back to back backup quarterbacks in a row. What are the odds of that? When does that happen? Is Dylan Gabriel hurt? Huh? No, exactly. I don't know. I, 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 Dylan, I, can, his back could seize up on Friday, right? just like Jalen Daniels. They need did. to keep that dude safe. They need to make Lock sure he's locked up. up. <laughs> like, I don't, what are they, have we? Have y'all heard of that before? Those series? I mean, TCU was TCU. knocking. They knocked out quarterbacks, though. They did. They sure. were knocking out quarterbacks. If I'm not mistaken, they knocked out like three or four quarterbacks. More than that. I think it was five it was like or six. Five, yeah, they knocked out a well, bunch of them. Well, they knocked out Dylan Gabriel last year the week before the Texas game. That's yeah. when with that really dirty hit when he slid and the uh, linebacker decked him and uh, yeah. he didn't play. They were um, knocking guys out. That's different than just not guys being unavailable. Yeah. It's, it's, it's man. And well, you know what? It takes a little luck. If you want to go, you know, you want to be oh, a special we, team. Yeah, ball's got to bounce your way. I mean, gosh. I'll take it. Um, you got to stay injury as injury free as you can, and now the Longhorns are dealing with Jatavion Sanders as a uh, an ankle that they're hopeful is uh, not structurally injured. He'll be okay. He's got to you know get the treatment this week, and he'll be good to go. Uh, but yes, I mean that is a break. I mean Jalen Daniels. All of a sudden, you're watching warmups. You know, we did the pregame show on Saturday for Mockingbird, and all of a sudden. You start hearing, wait a second, why is Jason Bean taking all the first-team throws on the field? Where's Jalen Daniels? He's not even out there. Not even out there. What the heck? Um, then, of course, we learn he is back seized up on Friday on Which the way down here. been an issue for him. Yeah. Apparently, like, in his career, he's been a, had, had back issues. And if you have back issues, you know, can crop up at any time. You just I guess don't he just know. slept wrong or something like that? I don't Maybe know what it was. Maybe on the airplane. Because he practiced all week, apparently. Yeah. Well, yeah. that also, and, you know. We'll take it. Okay. Uh, I was pretty, <laughs> even though it's forty to fourteen and Texas, you know, was dominant. Uh, I was impressed with Kansas to 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 have that happen. Not only did you not have your quarterback, you know, the, Jason Bean didn't get a lot of reps all week long, right? And all of a sudden, he's out there against this Texas defense. I thought they were admirable to make it a game and keep it a game and force some field goals for as early. Long as they did. Yeah, and obviously they just wore out. And Texas is is a really good team, and eventually, just too much talent. But I think Kansas, they get Jalen Daniels back. They'll be battling. Uh, for for good things in the Big Twelve this year, uh, nothing to hang their head about leaving this place. But Texas has now got another double digit win over a ranked team. That's what three uh, double digit wins? Well, no, this week could be their two. third. Yes, yeah, two two so wins far. over a ranked team, ranked teams. double digits double both. Digits. Yeah. And um, you know, the, and as you you said with us on the inside Texas watch along. Yeah, I wasn't worried though about Kansas. I don't think anybody was. Well, maybe some people were. Some people made it stressed out early on. I don't think there was any reason to stress. I told you on the in-game live watch, which, by the way, E. Hogan did a great job, as always. Thank you. We uh, love doing that, watching Texas. the game with you, the um, uh, Texas fans. Yeah, we, and I was on with you during the second quarter, 
And I, it was tight during the second quarter. I know some Longhorn fans were upset about you know the option plays that the defense gave up. And I told you at the time, I said, there's nothing to worry about because that was the only thing Kansas could do. Yeah, and it wasn't like option. Yeah, and it wasn't like Texas wasn't going to adjust to it. They were going to eventually adjust, and when they adjusted, Kansas would have nothing. And that's essentially what happened. Was <laughs> Texas was able to figure out the triple option, then they had nothing, and which made a lot of sense. And you pointed it out early in the week, Texas hadn't seen the option. So they hadn't seen the option. First time they had seen it in real time, and they adjusted to the speed of it. And we've seen this now with this team, right? We saw Alabama game. Alabama had the run game working early on. And then PK and Texas shut it down. Um, hell, Wyoming had a you know, couple of runs early on. We were able to you know, get some things going, had that big run early. And then Texas pretty much for the rest of the game shut things down. And then once again we see it, you know, the option for Kansas. It has some life early on, but then Texas decided to, you know, Pretty much uh, shut it down. Yeah, they shut Second it down. Second half, really they well. were really good. Outside of so, the one big play over the top, that was was pretty thoroughly dominant defensively in the second half. Yeah. And you you predicted that as we were watching the game. That's why you should watch that with us on the On Texas Football YouTube channel for Inside Texas because Rod lets you know the the football theorist. He was not concerned, and you know. But Longhorn fans are are excited that something big's happening. This can be a, a championship run in their final year in the Big Twelve, and it seems like they've got the right mix of veterans and young players and talent to do it. And uh, you know, when you're kind of dancing around, because in the third quarter when they hit that big bomb and all of a sudden you're thinking, oh gosh, we're one score game here. And uh, But, you know, they continue to show that they can pull away, right? They can stretch the lead. They can take over a football game. And that's impressive. That's impressive. Can I play you a little bit of Sark, his opening thoughts from the game after it was over Let's do it. at 40 to 14? Uh, here's Sarkin, kind of like you. You know, he trusts his team. We're gonna. It's a four. It's a sixty-minute ball game. You're not gonna win and dominate every single quarter of every single game. Here's Sark with an overview of what uh, he saw on Saturday right afterwards. The balance on offense was really critical. You know, you can throw for over three hundred. Uh, you can rush for over three hundred and have a two hundred-yard rusher and have two receivers basically have a hundred yards receiving. That's good balance. The ball was getting spread around the right way today. We found explosive plays. We remained explosive as an offense today. But I thought defensively, they hit two plays. Outside of that, well, our defense really played played really well again. You know, and I think what they were able to do on third down and fourth down. I think against a team that was either number one or number two in the country on third down conversions to hold them to 0 for 8 was was really good football. And all in all, um, I'm proud of the guys. It was a heck of a win against a good football team. Uh, great environment at DKR again. Uh, great environment. And um, we set ourselves up for uh, for an awesome opportunity next week. It will be an awesome opportunity. And, and once again, for the defense, we thought it would be last week and it wasn't. It'll be their first chance facing a good quarterback. They haven't faced a good quarterback You're yet. right about that. Right? Jalen Milrose, he's a good athlete playing quarterback. He's got elite traits at the quarterback position, but he wasn't a great quarterback. He even benched him after that. So Dylan Gabriel's a, a good quarterback. Hell, some would even say he's a great quarterback. And this will be the first test for the defense in that regard. I'm sure they're up to the task. Uh, but that's uh, that's what I want to see. I'm really interested to see that. As a matter of fact, it'll be the best quarterback they face all year. Yeah, Dylan, much. And, and he's off to Jaylen, a great Jaylen start. Daniels, you know, was unavailable. Yeah, I mean, look, I was surprised. I'll, I'll admit that that, can, that Oklahoma hung fifty points on Iowa State Saturday. I'm with you on that. Yeah, Iowa State. We defense, thought their defense could yeah. uh, could hold them back, but uh, you know, Iowa State 
after that gambling scandal through the offseason, not the same team. You, we knew they struggled offensively, but man, 50 points against that team uh, mm-hmm. at Oklahoma on Saturday. Both teams handled their business emphatically. A 40 to 14 win for Texas, 50 points on the board for OU, uh, both undefeated. And uh, that will lead to a lot of hype. We mentioned College Game Day. We told you that last week that uh, if both teams win, you could expect College Game Day to be in Dallas, and they will be at the Cotton Bowl. That'll make it uh, plenty of hype. You know, when you bring College Game Day, Rod, that also brings now, now the Pat McAfee show will be there on Friday morning. That's been a you know whether it was Duke or Colorado, mm-hmm. they bring the whole thing down there on Friday. Uh, so it's kind of a two day thing now for for College Game Day, covering oh, yeah. the biggest game of the week, and this will certainly be that because. Um, you know, this is one of those, you know, the Longhorns have been, been established as just under a, a touchdown favorite early. But at the same time, you know, winner of this game, loser of this game, feels like they can get back and meet that team again. This could be one where we're looking at a rematch. But you'd rather go handle your business, put yourself in the driver's seat, and we have all week to preview that game. So looking forward to it. But uh, this morning will be about looking back at what went well for the Longhorns on Saturday. Uh, yeah, and, you know, the JT Sanders injury is... It's concerning because I think he's going to be available because he's a freakish athlete and he'll, they'll have great you know, uh, training sessions with him uh, in the training room. And I think he'll you know, be available. He probably won't practice much, but he's a guy that's a veteran and he knows the playbook. So he'll just be available. But if he's not 100 percent or even 90 percent, say he's like 75 percent, does make him easier to defend. It does. You know, and that's the thing that he's the biggest matchup nightmare on your offense, period. Even more so than Xavier Worthy. Xavier Worthy is easier to neutralize because you can do it via coverages and a lot. You can double them. You can roll coverage to them. There's just other ways you can uh, defend. More ways, I should say, you can defend Xavier Worthy. Not as much with JT Sanders. Only a few guys you can put on JT Sanders because of where you line him up and Sark moves him around so much. So we'll get into it, the X's and O's of it in, uh, you know, behind the burn orange curtain. Uh, but it definitely changes the offense, the complexion of the offense a lot when JT Sanders is not. Yeah, well, 100%. I know. Well, and you, as you said, if Dylan Gabriel doesn't get hurt at some point this week, the Longhorns will face their best quarterback that they face. So a lot of challenges there. Yeah. As for uh, Sark's thoughts there, I mean, gosh, I mean, to, to have a, a 200-yard rusher, and let's let's give a, a bouquet to Jonathan Brooks. I mean, he just continues to emerge as the obvious RB1. I mean, C.J. Baxter had a decent game. Uh, but, man, 21 carries, 218. And it's funny to watch him run these days, right? It's like he's a combination of Roshan and Bijan. He's not either of those guys, but he can shake it a little bit like Bijan does. He can you know, make guys miss and you know force arm tackles because he's got a little wiggle to him. Uh, but he's got some power where he runs through arm tackles once he gets gets him off balance a little bit, and he has really broken out. I mean, the Baylor game was was you know dominated by Jonathan Brooks, the Wyoming game, and then the end of the Alabama game. This guy has established himself as one of the best backs in the Big Twelve. Uh, he is. He he's looks really. I think his ability, his balance at the second level is really impressive. That's why I think it's elite about him. That's why you can't really bring him down with one arm tackle. His balance is special, and he doesn't have breakaway speed. But he's got enough that if you don't have the right angle on him, he can pull away from you. And he is having probably early on some of these big breakaway uh, plays more so than even Bijan and Rojo had. And I think it's because of the offensive line, too. Yeah. I think he's doing great. I'm not taking away from him. But I think it's a combination now of the, uh, the maturation and the, you know, the, the development and continuity of this old line, too, finding their groove and their physical now. Yeah, it's a physical bunch. It, uh, it so, is. And so I think it's both. It is, and then it's you know we, we we've all said that if they can run the ball and establish that, that was the big question mark of the offseason. Who replaces that production of those two great backs? 
that they're going to be really hard. And Quinn Ewers has really stepped in, and you can just get, see him getting more and more comfortable in this offense. Uh, 25 of 35, 321 yards and a touchdown. Also ran for another touchdown. He's, he's become the legs are a part of this offense now with his athleticism. And uh, we'll hear Sark talking about it coming up. But uh, with so much, you know, especially after JT Sanders left, there's just going to be so much coverage devoted to X-Man Xavier Worthy. Well, Donnie Mitchell steps up with 10 catches, 141 yards and a touchdown. X-Man still got his, 7 for 93. So, I mean, this is this is a dynamic offense. We know that. And uh, that's the one thing that jumped out to me. The emergence of Jonathan Brooks as a, as a lead back and then the development of Quinn Ewers. He's just getting more and more comfortable, more and more relaxed within this offense. And you just kind of see him flourish uh, of what they need him to do and just to execute the offense. Yeah. Make you got, throws. You got the weapons that it's it's easy to find and manipulate the one-on-one matchups. When they decide, oh, we got to roll coverage to Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell's going to be one-on-one. A.D. Mitchell can win one-on-ones consistently. Jay Witt can win one-on-ones most of the time as well, too. So you just got guys that can win one-on-ones. All you got to do is trust your weapons. And he's, right now, I think he's right now playing some of his best football. And, and keep in mind, for Quinn, I do think the, the, the legs element, him now running a lot more, scrambling a lot more, I think that's Sark encouraging him, hey, if they give you the green grass, take it. And it is symbolic that that's the game now that he has. He just takes what the defense has given him. Yeah. There's no need to right? – in his game right now, considering the weapons that he has, there's no need for him to try to do too much within the offense. All he has to do is just take the one-on-one. A.D. Mitchell's got one-on-one? I'll take it. You're going to do that all game long? Okay. He'll, be, he'll have 10 catches for whatever he had, 141 yards. And I think the same thing happens when he decides to run. And some of that's game planning on the goal line when he has the quarterback keeper. That's Sark game planning. That's Sark telling Oklahoma, hey – just so you know, in the red zone, the goal line, which is something we'll also get into, the red zone. Uh, that was, <laughs> there's still coaching points, and that's one of them. Uh, but I love that play, had the quarterback keeper in the red zone on those plays now because a lot of those defensive ends, they can't crash down on the run, in the, the power run game in the red zone on the goal line because now Quinn, you have to worry about Quinn Ewer's legs. Yeah. You One more do. thing you got to worry about. Well, he's your leading touchdown scorer this year, right? right? I mean, it's like, let That's me, crazy. Yeah, and he's he's obviously the the twenty pounds lighter, the uh, little little lighter in his step. He looks more athletic in the pocket, and then when he does take off, he's got more speed than you think. Uh, some of your thoughts coming in on our new text line. Since Rod, you were with us last, we changed the text line. It is now four four seven three seven seven six five one two four four seven three seven seven six. It says. Uh, um, AP voters lack testicular fortitude. That's Nick in San Angelo. <laughs> this is uh, Rod. Just remember, E was not sold on CJ Stroud. Call him out. Uh, I do it? remember that. Remember that cognition test? Re- well, that was, uh, my, that was I was sold. I was Stroud. If you listen to the show, <laughs> I was on Stroud the whole time. He was my favorite quarterback, and then. You know the cognition test came the out. The cognition you, test thing. Well, that was a lot of CJ Stroud negativity though around that, draft time. I don't know what it was. But, but if you listen to the show the morning after the draft, I was thrilled with the Texans taking CJ Stroud and with Will Anderson. But either way, uh, I'm, I do like CJ. We'll talk about the Texans and their big yeah, win, the CJ's Cowboys and their big it. win. Uh, how about D'Amico Ryan's uh, just shutting down the Steelers with his defense? We'll talk about that. Obviously, the good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend. Uh, plenty of good if you're an Astros fan. Not so go, good go. if you're a Rangers fan. But at least you made the playoffs. Nah, he made the playoffs. It's good. Well, but come they, on. Well, now they got to play this week. Look at Ty's face. I guess says otherwise. They needed one <laughs> win yesterday against a team that didn't have anything to play for, and they could have won the division and been off all week. Uh, instead, the Astros get the week off and get to get their pitching staff lined up for the 
You know, it's, it's a different because now they got to go to Tampa. I mean, you go into in Tampa, you can be out pretty quick, uh, especially now with John Gray's injury. So there's some there's plenty of bad for the Rangers. We'll talk about it coming up. Uh, Astros, I don't know how they pulled that off with the uh, the up and down roller coaster September they had. Uh, Cowboys looking good. We'll get to all the good, the bad, and the ugly. Some more Texas says. Uh, uh, I know one thing, Jonathan Brooks is our clear number one now, that's for sure. And give him credit this. I agree with you, Rod, on JT Sanders. Told me before the season Sanders got hurt, I would be highly concerned. I'm not saying Gunner Helma Sanders, but he's not JT, no. Sharp's J- got a plan for it, though. Yeah, now, and we'll the, the, the fact that JT Sanders was on the sidelines on Saturday, kind of running up and down there trying to get him back in, and they just said, you know what, just just sit down. Just sit down. We'll get this Kansas game we taken care yeah, of. We don't need you for You stay game. off your feet this week. We'll get you in the uh, in the ice pool. We'll get this thing rehabbed, and you'll be good to go because you know he wants to ball out. He's one of those Metroplex guys from Denton up there in the, uh, the mm-hmm. Cotton Bowl in front of friends and family. Um, this says, I love the way Catalan can tap you. Yeah, Jalen Catalan had some big licks on Saturday, including that uh, ball that Caused the fumble that then Kansas scooped and took to the house. Yeah, he's a, he's an alley cat. He runs the alley probably better than any safety that he's Texas thick, had in a man. while. He's not a very tall guy, but he's he's big. Yeah, uh, he's compact, up, compact. That's probably the reason why his shoulders are. You can tell why you can tell why he gets hurt right yeah. now. So yeah, you can just watch me like, oh, that's why he keeps getting hurt. Small, compact guy that comes from fifteen yards away and tries to make that kind of contact. A he's missile. trying to hit like a yeah. And it, exactly, and sometimes with reckless abandon, he ends up taking the biggest hit. Yep. Because of yep. himself. Yep. But you know what? I love the way he plays the game, though. He will he will tap you, as the, the Texas said. All right, we're just getting warmed up. We got all morning. Five hours of our conversation begins right now. The good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend. Longhorns are five and zero. They're playing Oklahoma this week, and yes, it's five twenty five. Rod, and OU still sucks. Coming back on hook 'em up. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly on a Monday on Hook Em Up. Somebody called me out and said, E, it's 625, right? Yeah, I, I, our clock still says 525, so that is above the, uh, that sits above Rod here in the studio. I need to change that. I just need to reach down. But, you know, when the clock changed, <laughs> that's how long it's been like that. Normally I do self-correct, but uh, yes, it's 629. And OU still sucks, but they actually don't this year. They're 5-0. and This is a great matchup. We'll start talking about it, but uh, just an early glance, Oklahoma and Texas, number one and number two in Big 12 in total defense so far this year. Oklahoma's got number got the number one offense as far as points per game at 47. Uh, Texas is number four at 36 points per game, but we do know that Texas has played a tougher schedule to this point. That's going to be the one question all week long about OU. Uh, of uh, the, the quality of opponents that they've played. Longhorns have caught breaks playing backup quarterbacks, you know, three straight weeks with Baylor, Wyoming, and now Jalen Daniels' injury with Kansas. And um, Oklahoma just hadn't played a very tough schedule so far. Uh, and we knew that when the season began, that if you just looked at it on paper, OU wasn't going to really be tested until the Dallas game. Yeah. And now we'll get to find out just where they are. But statistically, they are dramatically better than they were one year ago. Uh, but we would also point out that one year ago, Rod, they came into this game Four and one, and uh, they had lost to TCU the week before. Dylan Gabriel got hurt, yeah. and Texas beat them forty nine zero. The injury to Dylan Gabriel was, it was critical. Yeah, because they, they didn't was, have a backup quarterback. It was brutal. They they, they did not. They, they basically were playing wildcat football on offense. <laughs> it was, I, I, I've been to a lot of Texas <laughs> OU games, 
I think that, that was the most p- pathetic performance I think I've seen by either side ever. On offense. Yeah, oh. I've never seen anything like it. They just steamrolled. It was like quicksand, and then Oklahoma just kind of lost control of things, and, which is why you know, because they haven't had a real big game in the non-conference and even early on, right? They had a game that was canceled or something, like rescheduled. They had a big game. Georgia. Yes, and then okay, yeah, both teams, and that, and you know, the same thing is being asked about both teams. So, like, and, and you know, it's kind of a mutual thing. It was, it was when Texas and Oklahoma announced they were going to the SEC. Georgia, yes. Georgia, and Oklahoma yeah. canceled that home that home game. It was supposed to be at, uh, I believe, in Norman. Yeah, which it's would have been game. awesome to see yeah. those two teams because right now, people, uh, our friend Anwar Richardson over Orangebuzz dot com is, you know, was was arguing that the AP should it, all AP voters should be voting Texas number one. Over Georgia and Michigan, Florida, uh, Georgia and Michigan, just because they're more accomplished, and it's about resume to this point, not what you've done in the past, and uh, where your preseason ranking was, and all those things. Let's judge it on what has happened on the field so far, and you know, Florida State and Texas would be mm-hmm. the most accomplished teams to this point. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's yeah, any that LSU much. win is kind of it's, it's not looking well, that's good. That game Texas Bama win is looking. Much better. Yeah. Than, than that win. Bama's getting them but, kind of figured in the next I, segment. My, my point out. in bringing up that Oklahoma hasn't had one of those huge kind of blockbuster matchups early on in the season Texas has. We know, or at least we don't know. My theory, and we hypothesize, that Sark was spending extra time in the offseason planning, game planning for Bama. <laughs> Just looks that way. And even during the Rice Week, seems like eh, Texas may have been focused more on Bama. At least the coaches were in game planning for Bama, not so much for uh, Rice at the time. And I would say that Brett Venables, considering how he was embarrassed in that matchup, and that is your rival, I'm going to say that basically this is, that for, for him, this has been his Bama. Like basically all the offseason, he probably spent a ton of time. <laughs> oh, you have to think, <laughs> Devoted right? to... Texas, because he knew I can't. Not only can I not, you know, get I can't get embarrassed in that game, um, but man, I got to find a way to to win that game because I'll win back a lot of my fan base if I could win that game and beat Sark in that matchup. You don't. Then we remember Mac Brown early on; he was winning nine games and winning double digit games, and Longhorn fans are still like, "I think Mac needs to go." And it's like, "Why can't beat Oklahoma?" <laughs> and it's something about not being able to beat your rival that puts you on the hot seat initially. And I think for Brett Venables, he's been obsessing about this game all offseason. He's been doing his well, prep. It's important to him. Yes. Because yeah. no not only did you lose last year, you got yeah. embarrassed. It's important for Sark, too, but Sark had, he, he split his time because he spent some time on Bama in the offseason yeah. <laughs> as well That's as Oklahoma. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, and, and Brett Venables' defense is his, you know, because I, I, my OU fans were, would have been pleasantly supply, surprised with OU this year mm-hmm. because some of them were chalking him up to the. Uh, to a Gary Gibbs caliber level higher, they say. You know, Gary Gibbs, remember that was back in the 90s, that, that this was a bad hire after Lincoln Riley left, and he's trying to disprove that. This game will go a long way towards it. Uh, we'll talk more about the Kansas game here coming up. Quick thought yes. this says, guys, Ian Rod, can you clarify why Houston won the division? Was it head-to-head? I thought they would have a one-game playoff. No. Is it a tiebreaker? Tiebreaker was head-to-head. Yeah. And we know Houston won the silver boot. They went 9-4, and four, I believe, or... Nine and three against Texas this year. So yeah, head to head was first, and they finished dead tied as far as the record goes. Astros by virtue, and that's mm. why if the Rangers had found a win yesterday, that's where you give the Mariners some credit because the Mariners had nothing to play for yesterday, and you know that was a rough way to end it on Saturday when the Rangers because the Rangers only won one game in Seattle, but that's all they all they needed was yeah. the one win on Saturday mm-hmm. that eliminated Seattle. And uh, but George Kirby, their big right hander, went out and pitched a great game yesterday. So, obviously, the Astros were, were pleased and the Astros win, and that puts the Astros, uh, and I can't underestimate how big it is to be off all week and not have to play in this wild card round 
and be able to be at home Saturday and you know set your pitching lineups and all that. That came by virtue of their win yesterday and the Rangers' loss to Seattle. So glad we could clarify that. We'll get some more facts of the day before the top of this hour, including uh, what went so uh, poor for the Americans over there in the Ryder Cup, the end of the baseball season, uh, the other facts from the weekend of college and pro football. Cowboys are 3-1. and one, Texans are 2-2. Two and two. We'll get yeah. to all of it throughout the course of the morning on a good, bad, and ugly Monday. First, though, let's go behind the burn orange curtain with Rod Babers. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, so one of the, I guess, one of the unfortunate uh, storylines coming out of the Texas-Kansas game, there are a lot of good things, um, was the injury to J.T. Sanders. He's, and there's no structural damage, so he's got to go through some, some training room sessions, and he'll be able to play. We just don't know if he's going to be you know, 90%, 70%, whatever it may be. Uh, but there was an adjustment made. That happened at the end of the first quarter. Maybe it was the beginning of the second quarter. It was right around that time where the injury happened. And the adjustment by Sark was the Big 12 package, which is their extra offensive lineman, the Malik Ogbo package. They throw him out there as the extra offensive lineman. In that game, they played more of that 6-0 line package than they've played in any game than, since that Sark's, that Sark's been the head coach at Texas. Uh, they introduced this package last season, I believe it was against ULM, where they introduced the package. And they honestly run it in, uh, in most of their games, but never uh, to the extent or at the rate they ran it in the Kansas game. Um, that's the mo- And based on my notes, that's the most snaps of it. Uh, and Malik Abel had 22 snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. So the most snaps of that 6-0 line package they've had. The beauty of it is... Uh, when they throw out of it, they were six of six when they threw out of it versus Kansas, um, and averaged over sixteen yards per attempt. It's one of those uh, packages where they, it presents you with so many threats in the running game, especially because Texas was running it so well um, that you have to respect the run. You can almost guarantee against a lot of teams one on ones on the outside. Now they could decide, you know what? No, we're not going to let Texas win the one on ones on the outside. And by the way, you're you're running your offense with fewer receivers when you decide to do that, too. I mean, you're going to run your offense. Usually with their Big 12 package, J.T. Sanders was the tight end, but he gets hurt. It's Gunnar Helm now. He's the other tight end. Malik Ogbo is considered their other big tight end for the Big 12 package. One back, two tight ends. And then they'll have Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell. Or they could have Xavier Worthy and Jay Witt, only the two receivers out there. And then they'll have uh, one back in their game. And they run a lot of three-receiver routes. Hell, they'll even run some two-receiver routes, but they're long-developing routes, as you as just pointed out, 16.6 yards per attempt, because they got extra offensive linemen in there to help them block to get those routes developing downfield. And we're talking about, I mean, at one, I, would, I would say in one of those six O-line packages, you saw them running deep curls and deep outs. I mean, you got Sarks now running 17-yard curls in his offense to Xavier Worthy, which is, as a defensive back, I can tell you, is just unheard of. You gotta have a quarterback that can make those throws confidently, which Quinn yours can. Um, there's a different element to that. I think maybe that's just start kind of stretching out the opposing defense. But in the Oklahoma game, I believe what they're gonna do to supplement some of the JT Sanders play, if he can't, you know, play at 100 percent or they don't they want to have him on a pitch count, it'll be that big that big 12 package. Most he's ever played, and it's probably the best and the most effective that I've seen their Big 12 package too, which makes sense because they're so deep on the O-line. 
But that no, they did not have an incompletion out of the Big Twelve package in that Kansas game. Uh, sixteen yard, over sixteen yards per attempt, and the explosive play rate. They had three explosive plays uh, of over fifteen yards or more passing the football out of the Big Twelve package. Because, like I said, it get, it almost guarantees one on ones. If they decide that they want to win the numbers game in the passing game, they can. But then you're going to get whipped and bullied up front because Texas has basically. You know, with all the, I don't know exactly. I think their average weight for the offensive line is what three twenty five, yeah, something like that. So you, know, <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of man. You're talking about damn near close to two with at the tight end, and they're close to two thousand pounds of human up there, and you don't want to be, you don't want to be defending that with a light box. Well, and that's that's a, that's a scary proposition. You you're, you're mentioning. I mean, that's obviously something Brett Venables is going to be looking at this week. I mean, he has it's one, to. It's one thing if you got that if you got that wall in front of Quinn Ewers, who has one of the best arms in college football, and then you've got guys like A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. Your defensive backs can do a good job, but they can't cover them for five but or six seconds. It's, it's, yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. Seventeen Rob yard curls. It, I'm know? like, come on, man. I'm not supposed to have to cover a seventeen yard curl, coach. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got this guy with a rifle on his right arm who can deliver that pass uh, on point. And you know, Quinn yeah. was really spinning it. I thought he was ripping it, ripping it nice on Saturday, stepping into those throws. He made one throw down near the goal line where he kind of fell off his back foot and almost threw an interception. Threw it behind Jay Witt, but uh, and Quinn did throw his first pick of the year. Yes, he did. At the end of the first half when he was trying to force the ball and trying to get a field goal before the end. That's one he'd like to have back. But other than that, Quinn has had really good ball security. And you're right, that's a that presents a real problem to a defense. It, especially for an under if you're an undersized defense. And by the way, Oklahoma, their their defensive line is not necessarily a, a really, you know, big you know, gargantuan, humongous off a uh, defensive line. They haven't gotten there yet because Brent Venable is still a little bit behind. And getting those big bodies, I think for Sark, maybe he unveiled this not only because he wants Oklahoma to have to prepare for everything. Right? We talked about his campaign of misinformation, um, but I think it's something you may see because he believes that he can bully Oklahoma a little bit, and that'll keep Dylan Gabriel and that offense off the field. And I think he may be thinking if we end up in some type of shootout. This will be the best way for me to help play complimentary football. He talks about it all the time and help my defense out. I can just keep Dylan Gabriel off the field and play some bully ball with six offensive linemen out there, and we'll see what the I don't know the counter will be. I think I think the counter is going to be for Venables. He's going to blitz a lot, and we talked about this. Remember, I told you I think Kansas should have been blitzing on rundowns. I talked about that in the pregame. I've been blitzing on rundowns, and then you want to try to make sure you can get after Quinn, whether it be simulated pressures or whether it be second level pressures on third downs on predictable passing downs. I think Oklahoma. On early downs, they're going to blitz just because they got to start making, they got to make plays in the backfield yep. against Texas. You get Texas offensive line going, like I said, with six offensive linemen, damn near 2,000 pounds of mass and girth coming at you. It, it's hard for you just to hold up and be stout unless you got big bodies. Oklahoma doesn't have those big bodies. The best thing they can do is penetrate and kind of slash through and try to make plays in the backfield with faster, undersized guys. Well, as we mentioned, now coming back from the break, Oklahoma does lead the Big 12 in te- total defense as far as points allowed, just 10 points a game. Uh, but this is obviously their biggest test to this point, and they have not played a great offense. But Texas has gotten the benefit of playing backup quarterbacks each of the last three weeks. And, heck, even Jalen Milrow was so bad against Texas, they benched him the next week. So, um, oh, yeah. you know, we'll see. This Dylan Gabriel's a six-year player, he's a really good player. But, you know, it's still come down. You've played in that game, Rod, what, four times? It yeah, comes down to players. It's a it player's game. No you got to make plays. And, um, you know, that's 
you know, in your biggest games, your best players have to play like that. I heard uh, Sean McDermott, the coach of the Bills, say that about the Bills' big win over Miami. That's a big that, win. You know, when we play a game like this with our divisional rivals from Miami, you know, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs have to step up and play mm-hmm. really good. These are our best players, and they need to, and they did. And uh, that was one of the surprise wins of yesterday. We'll talk about that, just how emphatic the Bills were over the Dolphins. But it reminds me, and by the way, when we get to our What the Fact segment coming up, Rod, it's why the USA didn't win the Ryder Cup, because their best players didn't step up, and Europe's did, even though mm-hmm. you, the U.S. had a deeper roster overall and you know more good players of their 12. But you know the each each team, Team USA and Team Europe, had three players in the top six in the world. The three top six players for Europe were much better, like by a mile, than the uh, American counterparts, and that's why Europe is hoisting the Ryder Cup again, and that's what typically decides the Red River game is mm-hmm. the big players who step up and make big plays in the biggest of moments, including yep. Rod Babers with a pick six, even though y'all didn't win that game. They didn't win the game, though. Yeah, I know. See? That's, that's always – it's hard to celebrate that moment. The pick six. The L. The L. pick six with the L. But you did get I to did. celebrate in your own end zone, right, the, with the Texas crowd? Was uh, that? I did, yeah. I believe that was. Yeah, no doubt. That was, was into fun. the burn orange end? Mm-hmm. Awesome. It was fun, baby. We'll relive that all this week <laughs> and get you ready for Texas OU. And um, we'll ask Rod throughout the week. We're we're now having a new baby ranks and you know versus a, a pick six in a football game. Probably not close. Probably not close. <laughs> I'm not even going there. But it, it it ain't close. But I ain't going there. I ain't going there. <laughs> uh, all right, coming back. What the facts? The big facts from a busy weekend, including that Ryder Cup, including the Astros and Rangers, including the <laughs> NFL yesterday. And yeah, poor Bill Belichick. His worst loss ever. The 35-point loss to the Cowboys on Sunday, worst loss of Bill Belichick's 29-year head coaching career. I don't know if the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year, but they now own that honor of uh, pasting Bill Belichick like, like no one ever has before. We're coming back. Hook them up on Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Austin, Texas Sports. The Horn. Time for Just the Facts here on Hug'em Up with Ian Rod B. And here's one that says, uh, prayers prayers to the folks of Oklahoma. Nothing's happened. Just sucks that they have to live there. Amen to that. <laughs> I agree with that, actually. Yeah, they oh, choose to. shots fired. They've made that choice, too. They've made that choice. I don't well, know how that happens. I've never been to Norman, either. I have. One You've time. You've been to Norman? Saw a game. Uh, now, yeah. 2008. Uh, went oh. to a game when uh, okay. they, remember the great year in the Big 12? Oh, yeah. When they played Texas Tech. And uh, gosh, oh, I bet that was a good game. Three top five teams that year with Texas, Oklahoma, and Tech. wasn't a good game. Oklahoma <laughs> smashed them. Oklahoma, it wasn't a good game. Oklahoma <laughs> smashed, smashed Mike Leach's, but it was a, a cool environment. And uh, you know, but so this game is at the Cotton Bowl, and I've been to that many times too. And that's unlike any other. And uh, time for some just the facts, right? I'll give you. I'll let you do football, but I've got this from the golf world. Uh, Team Europe claimed its seventh consecutive Ryder Cup on European soil. Mm. The USA is going to have to wait till at least twenty twenty seven. To try to uh, win a ro- a World Cup on the road, and as I mentioned, this this each team, even though uh, the USA was heavily favored going in by the gambling side and the uh, the vote the folks oh, yeah. in Vegas, because the USA had the the deepest team. Each each team featured three of the world's top six players, and the European trio dominated the American counterparts. Victor Hovland, John Rahm, and Roy McIlroy absolutely blitzed the trio of Scotty Scheffler. Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele posting, uh, how about this, those three guys, Hovland, Rahm, and McElroy, 9-2-3 and three on the weekend. 9-2-3. and three. Rory was undefeated. Rahm, um, Hovland, you know, was unbelievable at that eagle putt. Uh, there was a critical juncture of the, of the Ryder Cup on, on Friday afternoon, Rod, 
when if you you know on Friday morning in the early sessions for the first time ever the Europeans won all four matches so it was four nothing and then there was a stretch at the end of the second session which there are four points on the on the on the table each round each session and the US had a chance to win three of the points in the afternoon session and they were up late in three matches because uh, I left the show here at eleven o'clock, and the U.S. was up three matches, and the and the uh, the Europeans came back to have three of them, all three of them. So instead of it being five to three after day one, it was seven and a half to two and a half, and those those three holes, those three matches were critical. And in bo- in two of them, Victor Hovland eagled had a big eagle on seventeen, and then John Rahm did the same thing. It was really a, a wow. clutch moment. And can I already play this for you? And our what the facts? Here's Roy. This thing got really. Chippy over the weekend. There, there was a fight between Roy McElroy and the caddy for for uh, for uh, Patrick Cantlay on on a green because he was blocking his putt read. Listen to Roy McElroy and what he said after it. Um, the, already talking talking noise about next time around in two years here on home soil. I've said this for the last probably six or seven years to anyone that will listen. I think one of the biggest accomplishments in golf right now is winning an away Ryder Cup. And that's what we're going to do. Shot Rod. They're coming to Beth Page to take on, down man. the Americans in 2026. Whipped them net bath? Oh. You know, I'm talking trash. I love how sports is getting petty, though. The WWEification and the really the NBAification of the rest of sports. There's a lot of trash talking going on. We see it in the college football now, seeing the women's basketball in college, you're seeing it now with golf because of, you know, live and how you know, all this crazy. angst that's coming up. I think it's great. There's I really do. I think Rory almost getting in a fight in the parking lot. I expect Major League Baseball playoffs this year for there to be some petty stuff happening. All right, we need more petty in baseball. Baseball don't have enough petty going on. Every other sport seems to be getting more petty. You got Sean Sean Payton and uh, going after Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers has been the preseason talking about keep my name out of your mouth. We need more petty from baseball. They got to keep up. Yeah, petty. We keep need up more with the petty, man. Yeah, petty's good. What do you got, Rod? What's the petty's facts? Good. Uh, okay. Uh, well, this is a crazy fact. It it's just mind blowing. Do you know where Joe Burrow ranks in passer rating and yards per attempt? Thirty second. Thirty fourth. Oh my god. He's last among starting quarterbacks. Well, I, he's last among starting quarterbacks right now in yards per attempt and passer rating. Joe Burrow. Joe, who just got paid. Well, That's here's the thing. Crazy. I watched some of that game yesterday. He's he's hurt, Ron. Yeah. He came up, one of the things that makes Joe Burrow a $250 million quarterback is his ability to ad-lib, buy time, mm. make a play down the field. He can't yeah. move, Rod. He's a statue. He, he, hey, he's Dan trying... Marino did it for years. I know. Come on. Well, I mean, you've <laughs> taken away a big part of his game, but you're right. I mean, that, they can't move the ball because he can't move. And and he doesn't want to risk re-injuring that calf because once it goes, he's probably mm. you know gone for a long time, and he's just trying to protect it. And they've kind of told him, hey, just stay in the pocket. It's not working. Not working. That's crazy. I can't believe that. Uh, I got another one for you. C.J. Stroud. Yep. Let's give him some love to this man. He now has 1,212 passing yards this season, the second most by player in his first four career games in the NFL. Um, Only Cam Newton had more. 1386. He's really good. He's looking good, man. And the Texans defense was really good yesterday against Pittsburgh. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is just the third player in NFL history with 600 scrimmage yards and seven TDs through the first four games of a season, joining Emmett Smith and Jim Brown. That's pretty hey. good company. <laughs> For Christian good McCaffrey company. had four TDs yesterday. Patrick Mahomes threw his 200th career touchdown pass in his 84th game last night. Fewest games to 200 in NFL history passing. 
Dan Marino. Hey, we just say you go. Dan, Dan Marino's Marino. Like, he was a statue for years getting it done out there. Well, can I give you a stat real quick yep. related to that one? Zach Wilson, only opposing quarterback to have more completions, more passing yards, more touchdown passes, and fewer interceptions than Patrick Mahomes in a Patrick Mahomes start. College or pro. Damn. Including the playoffs. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. And he lost. <laughs> and it's official now. The Astros, the first team in MLB history to finish a season below 500 at home and 20 or more games above 500 on the road. They like to be it's the never villains. been done before. The villains, baby. The villains. Well, they'll be at home on Saturday, unfortunately, <laughs> oh, to face uh, the winner of the wild card round. We're back. One hour down, four to go.